This is Butchertown Rundown, a Racing Louisville podcast brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Welcome back to the Butchertown Rundown. Becky, for our listeners, it's been a day since they heard an interview with Jay Howell and Jeff Greer, but for us, it's just been a few minutes. We are into the second half of this podcast where we're going to talk about the dash game, talk about the women's cup, what we saw from racing, but also what we saw from the other teams out there and just get our thoughts on how racing has been doing over the last week or so. Your first, just to start off with, what are the first, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about that game against the Houston dash? I mean, I think the the thing that absolutely stands out more than anything is the fact that, you know, Satara Murray got two yellows within the first half and towards the end mm-hmm. of the half got sent off and racing managed to to lock it down and and earn a zero zero draw. And I know that like when you look at the win loss tie columns, you're like, oh, another draw for racing. This was this is about as close as a draw can get to being a win stopping a red hot team zero zero down a player and actually adjusting and doing better in the second half they had zero shots in the first half they had three in the second half i mean that's not great but i mean that's still an improvement yeah i mean racing figured out how to tactically adjust and they did it and they held off the dash and i just think that 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 really shows Again, this is a competitive team. This is a good team that once they can figure out how to get over that hump and actually hold on to a win and and win a game and get, you know, their mentality down because I, they're so close to it, then I mean, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with where they're showing just how good they can be. Man. So Becky, I'm going to ask you a yes no question okay. and I want you to answer immediately with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay. Racing is down a player at halftime and shuts down the dash in the second half. Were the halftime adjustments by the coaching staff the best coaching that this coaching staff has shown this season? Yes, I definitely think so. And we know from discussions with Kim Bjorkgren after the fact that they broke it down. They said, we're going to do this in the first 10 or 15 minutes. We're going to do this in the next 10 or 15 minutes. And then we're going to do this and we're going to do this. So, I mean, they, sometimes I feel like if we're doing okay in the first half, they're just like, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, at least that's the impression I get because there doesn't seem Mm -hmm. like there's much of an adjustment. And our problem is that other teams adjust to us and then they end up beating us or tying us. Mm -hmm. But in this game, we absolutely were like, okay, the, this is what we're going to do. And the team was bought into it and we did it. The other, I think, tactical adjustment that we did that was the best so far this season is probably when we came back to tie the dash 2-2 after going down by two. Because clearly there was some discussion at halftime where they figured out what they were going to do. I mean, Nadia subbed in and that made a huge deal in that Washington game. But there was clearly more than that. They, they clearly had discussions. They had a game plan and they executed it well. So this is, but I still think that this ability to hold off the dash despite going down a player 
is absolutely the best tactical planning probably done by the coaching staff by Kim Bjorkegren so far this season. Yeah, it's kind of a leading question for me, but I mean, really, that was one of my big takeaways was the fact that for the first time, I felt that, you know, when we went into halftime, a player down and to repeat what you said earlier, the dash has been on fire. They have been crushing folks. And I thought to myself, when we went into halftime, a player down, I'm like, well, somebody's going to adjust in this next half. And I don't, I, I hope that the racing staff is up to it because otherwise we're going to lose by a lot to nothing because that's, which isn't a criticism of racing's players, not a criticism of racing staff. It's more a credit to how well the dash has been playing. And we didn't just hold our own. We dominated. We controlled the play of game on their home field when they've been playing arguably the best ball they've been playing since they've been a franchise if you want to say when they won the challenge cup in utah okay maybe but i when that game was over um you know if we are going to be critical of coach kim um for things that uh we think are shortcomings decisions that we don't like and i'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later i'm going to give credit where i think credit is due and he did a fantastic job and his staff did a fantastic job putting the team in a position to gut out a result uh, i thought it was fantastic one thing that i was um that uh, another question for you you do you think that i personally jinxed satara murray by talking about how awesome she was last pod for her to have a bad day at the office against Houston. So I thought, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought the fouls were awfully soft for, for two yellows, especially mm -hmm. that early in the game. I think she could have been warned. Obviously I'm very biased, super biased, but that mean you're I'm wrong. not going to deny that. But, and I think that she's still a great, center back but i mean i think for obvious reasons there's a lot of motion emotion on both sides for this game i mean let's talk about the elephant in the room ebony salmon is the reason they've been so hot and you know she was our player and so i really think that a lot of this game really was a testament to how psychological soccer is mm, particularly when there's so much parody in a league like the NWSL because I really think the dash were just so motivated and they said, we are on a hot streak. Racing is not, we're going to show them, you know, Ebony is going to score a hat trick because that's what she does. And they couldn't do it. And that got into their heads and yeah. they could not figure out how to break us down. And we, on the other hand, were like, no, we're going to stick this out come hell or high water and we did and so i mean i just i think that somehow somewhere some way we had the emotional and psychological edge in that game and we will talk about this more because i do think that that is still a big part of the hump we have yet to get over like do we truly believe that we can win games yet or not and i i think that is that is one of racing's problems but going going back to what you said did you jinx Satara Murray? I don't know. She's a, a fairly physical player. I mean, she got a yellow for tackling Sophia Smith, I believe, in her first 
start with the team when the Thorns came to Louisville. So not too surprised that this happened. You know, did were both her fouls on Salmon? I can't remember. Her second uh, one definitely was. The second one was. I can't remember the first. Well, even if they both were, I mean, Salmon is a, a fast, dynamic player. I mean, they were kind of uh, tactical fouls in the fact that, like, you're going to take her down in order to to take away a shooting option, and that's exactly what she did. And where is yeah, and whereas you've got a player like uh, Kirsten Davis who's getting pulled down to the ground, who's going to try and play through that contact to get a shot off, Ebony Salmon, that's not quite her game. So and you know what? That's that's totally fair. I almost wish that our players would hi- throw their arms up and highlight, "Hey, I'm being fouled right now," instead of being like, "I'm going to fight this out." Because you know. <sighs> Would a set piece in that when when Kelly O'Hara was pulling back Kirsten Davis been better than, you know, holding the advantage, which Davis did? I don't know. But you at least need to to highlight for the fact that you could have gotten potentially Kelly O'Hara a yellow. So even if the play would have died, our players, I don't want them to flop, but, you know, throw their hands up, show that they're being fouled, show that something has happened and call to it because you are going to get and that's gamesmanship. That's gamesmanship, and I, 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 we don't need to flop, and I don't think Ebony flopped either. I do think she was legitimately fouled, but, you know, if, if you're not going to make a big deal about it, the ref isn't necessarily going to respond. So, you know, what we talked about when Gemma was on the podcast, is our team a little too nice and a little too by the rules? Something to think about. That's something to think about. Well, I, I am not, um, I'm not, I am not uh, ready to pull out the whiteout for Satara Murray uh, at no, center not, back not at for all. the rest of the season. She had a bad day at the office against her former team. You know, you play your yeah, former good team. Point. That's right. She was a former dash player. Absolutely. Former dash player. You know, she was probably super hyped up, wanted to show them what they missed. And she's a physical player. And I, I have said it before. I'll say it again. I am a fan of physical play. I mean, you're out there, your athletes compete and, it's, you know, a, a little contact is not, is not a bad thing. No, I've been a big fan of her. I think she's a great addition. I didn't, I didn't really watch her play before, so I didn't quite know what to expect. And I've liked everything I've seen. I liked everything I've seen. I mean, I, there are plenty of times that, you know, our players arguably could have gotten double yellows and didn't. She just had the bad luck of being the one that did. You know, now she's in the record book. Is she the only red card that we've had this season? I think she's the only double yellow. She's now she's only double yellow. Did someone got did Mir Montez get a straight red last season? Boy, that sounds right. But you know what? Because she's the only red card. I'm pretty sure. You know what? We could look it up right now, but I think we'll just talk very theoretically. Very <laughs> out. and if any of our listeners want to know this, go to FlordaLeeFC.com because Michael Shaw keeps all the stats. It he is does. The, it is the paper of record for racing Louisville football club. Absolutely. The stats he keeps about every goal scored, everything. Absolutely wonderful. Well, Becky, I think we've covered all the important points for the trip down to the city on the surface of the sun, Houston, Texas. <laughs> so let's move on to the women's cup. We saw a few different teams that we didn't see this from the inaugural women's cup. What were some of your thoughts on the tournament this year? 
I love this tournament. I think it's such a great opportunity to really see world-class club football in women's soccer. The, you know, I hope everybody realizes just how rare it is. You know, it's really Mm -hmm. only this competition and the Women's International Champions Cup, which has taken place in Portland the last two years, that allow anyone in the United States or pretty much in the world, honestly, to see intracontinental women's club soccer. There is Mm -hmm. no women's club world cup like there is for the men. And so these are the only tournaments where you're going to see that. And in our backyard, we got to see a team from Japan. We got to see a team from Italy. We got to see a team from England. We got to see a team from Mexico. In addition to, you know, Owl Rain, which is packed with stars. And then of course our own beloved racing Louisville. I mean, that, that is just, it, it, I'm, when I actually stop and think about it, I'm still taken aback by just how cool that is. And I really do appreciate the fact that the organizers intentionally got teams from different countries, that they didn't get another French Mm -hmm. team, they didn't get another German team. As much as I loved seeing Bayern and as much as I liked seeing PSG, it was just, it was exciting to see completely different teams. And I think that added a real element of excitement to it. What What about you, Tom? I was shocked at how competitive the games were. Not that, um, you know, these teams are not in midseason form right now. And the fact that they came out and they were all playing to win. I mean, I've watched plenty of sporting events. I watch plenty of soccer where you see a bunch of teams that are quote unquote competing where you look at it and they're going, you know, 50% speed, 70% speed. They're not making tackles. They're not really bodying players up in the box. But these athletes, and they wanted to win. The teams that lost were angry about it. And it was incredibly competitive. It was fun. I mean, you, you would not have thought from the effort given that these teams were not in midseason form. Now, I agree entirely. And, you know, it was also a chance to see real women's soccer superstars. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Tokyo Verde Beliza has a lot of Japanese Japanese national team members. Um, Milan has Kosovari Aslani, who's one of the most famous Swedish players. And if, if you follow any you know, international level football, you know Sweden has constantly been knocking on the door, and she's mm-hmm. you know, been their captain at times. She's an amazing player. So seeing her in person, you know, was just mind blowing to me. Uh, Tottenham has Shalina Zadorsky, who's like an incredibly famous Canadian player who is like the star of the Canadian national team for many years. And Club America has, you know, Mexican national team members that are huge. So it's just, I mean, it really is, you know, top class world football. And, you know, to be able to see the different styles against each other and to see, you know, our team come against AC Milan and play a competitive game and and win 2-0 I mean that was thrilling that was very thrilling and um if we want to talk about that AC Milan game how uh great to see Nadia get a goal yeah and, and such a Nadia goal too that header one thing about that AC Milan game and we didn't talk about it a second ago Um, And I don't know, Becky, if I can take credit for putting this into the universe. Um, I'm sure I can't. But on a previous uh, pod, I talked about that 
racing was really doing their international you know new players a disservice by you come in you get a start right away you come in you get a start right away and i mentioned that i thought it might be a better way to go is to have a player come in put them in at the end of the game to get a few minutes and then start them later on becky i'm going to tell you that strategy paid off very well because we played Juan Schwong a few minutes in Houston and started her against AC Milan, and she looked like a superstar out there. I think that's probably more on her talent than on me, but I just want to... She is, in fact, a superstar, but... She's a she superstar. Every bit of the superstar she is. You're damn right. It was... She looked so natural on the ball out there, and, you know, really... AC Milan didn't have any answer for her. She did whatever she wanted. She made whatever pass she wanted. She made whatever run she wanted and just showed so much of a glimpse, so much of a potential for when she integrates into this team. She's got the talent, but when Jay starts knowing, all right, this is the kind of ball that Wong wants. Um, when Sav starts saying, okay, this is the kind of run that Wong's going to make, and they can start connecting. When Jess and Chidiak start making runs because Wong's through balls are fantastic, it is going to, I think, unlock this offense in a way that we have not seen. We may not see it this season, but we see enough glimpses, or I've seen enough glimpses, to get really fired up for next season. There was that great moment, too, where um, Wong had the ball, you know, just about at the top of the box, and she was deciding what to do with it. And Chidiak called out and then started making a run. And Wong just put a tiny bit too much on the ball because Chidiak almost ran it down. And, I mean, that was a beautiful, beautiful play. And, like, it didn't work that time, but when it works, it is going to be deadly. And exactly it's like you said, deadly. it's it's... You can immediately see that, you know, Wong is a missing piece for this team. I mean, I admit I was a little skeptical when Kim kept saying we need wingers. We need, you know, players that can play out wide more in, in offensively than we need defenders. And you know what? Wong just proven him right. I, I will say that because there's definitely she's i mean she's just fitting fitting in like a missing puzzle piece i don't know how else to describe it it was i was very surprised and i don't want to go past the ac milan game which was fun but to get to the rain game when the ac milan game was done my first thought was you know what um, what I have seen from European soccer, a little less physical. They give offensive players a little more space. Uh, they don't body them up as much. And I wondered, how is she going to perform when she is getting bodied up, when somebody is in her hip pocket at all time and they're not going to let her have any space? And she didn't slow down. I think that, you know, obviously a little tighter defense um, may some things a little more uncomfortable for her, but the flip side is when she got away, she had plenty of space, plenty of decision-making options. I thought that I think she's going to fit in very nicely here in the NWSL. Now her ability to recognize space and make runs 
and create her own space, even against a team like El Rain. That, like, I mean, they do not give you an inch to breathe. They're such a fast, athletic team. Um, the, I, th- I thought she did wonderfully. Was she quite as effective as she had been? I mean, even against Houston or against uh, AC Milan? No. But, you know, none of our players honestly were. And it was a tough game. And I think we, we ultimately played well despite the result. Um, but no, everything I've seen from Wong means she lives up to the height. I mean, she's there's a reason she's a household name in China. Um, you know, she didn't play as much in recent years, I don't think, because of injury. But, you know, there's always a question if she's going to come back and be as sharp. And whew, she, I can't imagine her being much sharper, honestly. It was fun to watch. And, you know, on the pitch, I think, you know, she was teammates at PSG with Nadia. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they've got a connection. They've played together before. And using that as a, as a little bit of segue to talk about Nadia, half the goals she gets, I don't even know how she gets it. That header she had against AC Milan, I think it went off the back of her skull. I mean, she. how do you direct a ball? It was a little nod down from the side of her head, but it was so fast and so delicate you could barely see it. I mean, that is like the consummate Nadia goal. Oh, man. It, she is fantastic and just has such a finisher's mentality. I, oh, my God. I, I mean, I think at some point after this season, we'll probably have a what if, you know, what if – we had had Nadia the whole season, you know, every, every franchise in this league has a player that got injured and it's like, what if, but I'm, I feel as though we missed out on some special goals with her rehabbing from her injury. Well, and then also, of course, as soon as she rehabbed, she went away to the Euros for a long time. So, I mean, it was just a double, a double whammy for us. I agree, but you know what? If that gave time for, you know, Kirsten Davis and some other players to get some minutes that they need to develop, then that's fine. This is a rebuild year. Do I wish that we had, like, crashed the gates and we were in playoff contention and everything right now? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. I'm not trying to, like, I'm not that much of a Pollyanna that I'm like, no, this is better. This (laughs) is exactly what we need. No, I, I wish things were better, but, I mean, there's definite benefits to to getting minutes to some of these players. And, you know, Kirsten, I know you have all the stock in her, but that goal she had against Rain was delightful. She did not give up. She Mm -hmm. stuck with it. And, you know, she had so many chances against, was it AC Milan? And she didn't quite make the right decisions. But, I mean, the the reason the phrase rookie mistake exists is because you make these mistakes (laughs) as a rookie and then you get over them. So, I mean, she's literally making rookie mistakes, but you can see her figuring it out the longer she's on the field. And so I think Davis is, is, you know, a a firecracker. And I I am grateful that she has had this time to develop as a, as a player. It's been fantastic to watch and let's, let's move on to the OL rain game, which was before we get to that, I think that we should talk about the atmosphere in the stadium, which was, you know, Becky, you go to a concert, a good opening act really gets the crowd fired up for the main show. If you want to have a good fired up soccer crowd, you have 
uh, AC Milan and Club America go nuts. Four goals in the final 20 minutes. What was the final score? Five to four. Five that to four. Match, and the winning goal what, came in the 90th minute. That match was awesome. That was, I told you even before the podcast started, that was one of the best games I've ever seen live. If I was a racing fan, I probably would not have finished it because I would have had to be carted off like on a stretcher and had a heart attack. (laughs) But as a completely unbiased, just, you know, bystander, oh, it was, it was thrilling. It was so fun. You, you had no idea who was going to actually edge it out and win. And they were giving their all for it. I mean, they, they both wanted to win and it was it was so much fun it really was that was one of the the better games i've been to by far oh i mean it it, that was a great game to watch as a neutral because you could just enjoy all the skill that you were seeing free kick goals that were just curving beautifully um players serving crosses into the box that were splitting defenders for headers. It was just a clinic of, I don't want to say a clinic of technique, which it was, but that, that would seem to discount the physicality, like how tough these players, they weren't going down. They were fighting hard. The ref, the game wasn't getting dirty at all. Uh, the refs were keeping their whistles uh, in the pocket well, a little it was, bit. It was a little chippy. It was, it was chippy. It was chippy. Some, but they some pushing and all. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that both teams wanted to win. Um, when Club America won, uh, AC Milan were not happy to stay out on the field and watch that trophy presentation. And uh, but that crowd that was so excited for that game carried over to the racing OL rain game. And they saw just a, a gutty match between racing and OL rain. They did. And you know, that was not racing's biggest crowd. I mean, I think it was even a little tiny bit smaller than average. It was 5,000 and some probably in the stadium for the OL rain racing game. And it was, I, I mean, I've never heard that many people join in on the chance. You know, mm-hmm. people were clapping along and cheering along all through the stadium. During halftime, everybody sang along to Sweet Caroline at the top of their lungs. It was fun. It was one of the most festive atmospheres of any games that I've I've been to. And, like, again, little moments like that just speak to how great this fan base can be in racing and, and how much they can continue to grow. And I think it's really exciting. It was, I mean, a gut-wrenching loss. But, you know, if we are going to credit Kim where we think there were some good tactical decisions, you know what? I would have liked to have seen a few more subs from Kim in that second half because our players were gassed no i i agree 100 percent. and you know it, it's actually kind of amazing as i was walking out of the stadium i had five or six people say exactly that to me when i got home my dms on my phone on facebook and lavender legion slack on twitter every single person said why the hell did we not use more subs and kind of like what i said before i, I can't help but feel that kim said oh well you know, maybe this is my best starting 11 against this good team and they can play 90 minutes. Okay. Well, just because mm-hmm. they can play 90 minutes doesn't mean they should, especially with games this close together, because, you know, 
we were on in the first half and then OL Rain made a whole host of subs. And yes, they absolutely have one of the deepest benches and actually subbed in a bunch of their starters like Jordan Heidema. And, you know, they're just a team to be reckoned with. They're a deep mm-hmm. team to be reckoned with. But, you know, when players are so exhausted on our squad, they're basically a net zero. So, like, why does it hurt bringing in fresh legs from the bench? Like, that can only be a benefit. In my mm-hmm. mind, you know, get players that are able to run down, you know, and have the fresh legs to run down a fresh Jordan Heidema. Yeah, but we we didn't do it. And we had five subs. And Kim had said earlier, we're going to use these subs, you know, we're going to need to, we're going to have rotation. And then he didn't do it. The only planned sub was Alex Chidiak for Amina Ekic, which was a fine sub. But, you know, he only brought in wine because DeMello got injured. So yeah. why were, why did we not see Parker Goins in, you know, just for a little while? Why did we not see Satara Murray come in for a little bit? Why did we not see Neely Martin? I, I, I have no answers to this, especially because I think one reason that we also did so well in AC Milan is because we used all our subs. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that, and I don't know where I saw this. Um, it might have been um, Michael Shaw. Um, piece uh, on his post-match. It might have been in the Lavender Legion Slack. It might have been in Facebook. So if this is your thought, I am giving you credit over uh, the internet and in the universe. Good karma to you. But the thought that I saw was that, you know, this is why that game is why it's bad to start Lauren Malay at outside back. Because she can be such a game changer when you put her into the midfield. And we, you know, when we swapped out uh, Chidiak for Amina, and then when we put in Zion for DeMello, what game changers did we have on the bench? Who was somebody that would come in in the last 20 minutes and just wreak havoc on the on the game. Now you mentioned Parker Goins. Uh, Parker Goins, you know, hasn't had the opportunity to do that to this point, but I think that is going to be a next stage of the development of this roster. You know, to this point, Amina has been the super sub. You put her in, um, you know, in the second half, generally speaking, you don't need as much of a defensive commitment from your forwards, from your wingers, uh, because the other team's a little bit more winded. We all know that Amina's strengths are more so getting forward, putting a team on their heels than being a lockdown defender. And that's not as much of a hindrance in the second half as it is, you know, maybe to start the game. So maybe she's better as a sub, but, you know, she probably feels and she probably has earned the right to get starters minutes. So how are we developing a full roster for a team that can, you know, you put your best players out for 90 minutes, but when you need to change the shape of your formation, when you need to adjust your tactics, what players do you have on the bench that can come in and have the skill and the will to do that? And I just don't understand why we don't do more like 60 thirties, like play Jess for 60 minutes and Amina for 30 and then in the next game, swap it and do Amina for 60 and just for 30 and then swap it again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then throw in Parker going sometimes and, you know, do the same thing with like Freya and Jay and Sav 
and Chidiac, you know, use them all revolving. I mean, I don't think there's ever a time that we're not going to have Sav and Jay on for the majority of the time, but I mean, we can give them breaks too. I mean, that's the way you keep a roster happy too. I mean, you have a bench, you need to use it. Mm-hmm. And Kim only wants to use the same 13 or 14 players. And while I understand that, and while you also want to give your players a chance to figure out what went wrong and give them a chance to correct and, you know, earn back the points potentially, you know, if they're, if they started well and then, you know, gave up a couple goals, but this whole friend, this is a friendly, the whole point of it was, you know, to, to test your roster. Every other team did it and it worked well for them. Mm -hmm. It worked well for us on Wednesday. So the fact that we didn't do it on Saturday did really annoy me, but you know, the bottom line I'll say is, you know, I was very frustrated with how the, how Kim handled the game tactically on Saturday. I was very frustrated, but by the same token, you know, I'm still fully about like, no, we need to keep him for at least another year. And oh, yeah. coaches can grow as, as well as players, you know, this is his first year in this league. I think that he still underestimates, at least my impression is that he still underestimates just how athletic and physical this league is, especially against a team like OL Reign that is like athleticism defined. I mean, they're so mm-hmm. fast and, and so smart and, you know, their, their play is so rapid and they're so athletic and they can like almost run anybody down at any time, any one of their players on the pitch, the, I mean, that's exhausting. And I, even, like I said, even though our players can go 90 minutes, do they need to, you know, are we just giving them more of a chance to be injured potentially? Are we wearing them out? And so, I mean, that's the big question mark I have for him, but I, I think that he can grow. I think he's becoming more accustomed to the league. You know, I, I'd be a lot more worried if I didn't think that, as we discussed, there was really good tactical management of the Houston game. So mm-hmm. clearly we just disagree on some points, and I mean, that's fine. I mean, there's no one right way, but I, I really am getting frustrated with the fact that we do not sub our players, and I think we need to even if it's just to to keep the bench happy. I mean, if we're down 2-1, it's not going to hurt us in the last, you know, 15 minutes to put in Parker Goins or Taylor Malm. The times that it seemed like it would be obvious to rotate the squad, you know, playing the second game in three days, we haven't done it. Well, now for the rest of the season, you know, you've got a, you know, one game a week. So if you are resting Jess McDonald, which by the way, when we did rest Jess, the next day, the next game, she came out and she was on fire. Yeah. Um, So she has shown, you know, uh, Jess McDonald, you know, a topic for another time, but um, has just given so much to this club. So are we saying, are we saying that we're good, that we're going to sit Jess for two weeks? Because from, if you skip one game, you're sitting for two weeks. But you should maybe skip fine a game with though. She can play 30 minutes yeah, and come in late point. to a game. That's what I'm saying. That that's why don't we play someone for 60 and then play them for 30? That's what every other team does. That's a good point. That makes sense. And you know, we'll see if we see that for the rest of the season. It's so weird when we're talking with Jay and they're like six games left and I am sure, you know, if you gave those players a truth serum, they'd be like, man, those six games cannot come soon enough. It's they're tired. 
They are, they have given everything to this club mentally and physically this season. And I'm sure that while we will get every bit of effort and mental focus from them for the next six games, they're also not going to be too sad to see the season end and they can get a break, particularly these rookies. I think it's a mix. I think think yes, they they'll be ready for it to be over. But I mean, I also think they want them to come because they still want to win and they don't want to end the season on a down mark. I mean, I think they're like, you know, when you, Jenna told me after a game, I can't remember if she said it in this podcast too, that like when you lose, all you want to do is get back on the pitch. So, I mean, I think that they're just hungry for wins. Do I, do I know if we're going to get any in these last six games? I mean, I, I truly honestly don't know, No, but I, I think they still want to play. And I think they're going to be really frustrated if they go out and they don't have a win. That actually kind of segs into a question that I had for you. So on the one hand, it's great that we beat AC Milan. We got a win. We got in the win column and it was so nice to see the team looking, you know, so happy after the game and everybody Mm -hmm. was smiling and laughing together. And it was just a wonderful feeling. And then, you know, they lost to OL Reign after, you know, originally going ahead and they were a mix of pissed and despondent. They were very Mm -hmm. unhappy. Of course they were. I mean, they also had to stand there and watch them get, you know, medals and everything. That's not fun for anybody. You know, they were the defending champs and, you know, they came in second place, all this, you know, we don't Mm -hmm. need to go over. It's obvious, but do you think that they gained a boost in mentality from winning against Milan? And if they did, do you think that was mitigated by losing terrain? I do not think that they got a boost of mentality from Milan. I think they got relief. Mm. I think that there was an element of monkey off their back. They could go out, they could sleep late and feel good that, all right, we got to win. I don't know that there was a boost because, you know, when we talk to these players, if we choose to believe them, and I do, they sound confident. Yeah. They sound like everything is working except for the results. Now, if we have been listening to uh, interviews and post games and, oh my gosh, God, if we could just get a win, oh, all we need is a win as if the win would be some sort of magical panacea, then I would think that it, that could be the case. But I think that they showed up to AC Milan and they expected to win and they win and they felt great about it. And I felt great about it. I slept better that that night and I felt better the next day. Um, Do I think that the OL rain game took away from that? No, I think that it pissed them off for all those reasons that you said. I think that that was, and this is just, just my opinion. I feel that that was four player morale, the most devastating loss I've seen in the two years, this club, I could be wrong. You could give another name, another game. And I would, I would respect your opinion or anybody that's listening. But when I looked at those players after the match, they were gutted. They gave everything they had. 
and there was something on the line. You know, there's something on the line every game, but there was something tangible that they lost. And I think it really affected them. I think it really upset them. I, do I believe that that will – do I think that that game will cause a hangover for Phil the Fam this Saturday night? No, I don't. I just think that um, on – they played AC Milan on Wednesday, right? Yeah. So I feel that on Thursday it felt really freaking good to be a racing Louisville player. And on – Sunday, it felt really, really crappy. And except they went to work after that. Except the one thing that makes me so positive about this team, though, is that if you follow them on social media, I mean, Jay said it, but they are so close and they spend so much time together. And what did they do on Sunday? They threw a bridal shower for Lauren Millay <laughs> and Kirsten Davis, who are both getting married in the off season, I believe. I don't know exactly when, but they're both engaged. And they were having the time of their life. I mean, they were all taking selfies and pictures together. I mean, this is a group of people that legitimately love being around each other. Jay said it, but it she didn't need to because it's obvious in every interaction that they post together. And they post a lot of them because they spend <laughs> a lot of time together. Yeah. And choose, as she said, choose to spend their free time together. So yeah, did it like sting and did it piss them off? Absolutely. But the thing that has made me... You know, not to beat a dead horse about this, but the thing that has kept me the most positive about this squad is how aware they are of their circumstance. We are a young team. Uh-huh. We're only a second year, you know, uh, franchise. We are have a coach that's new this year, a lot of new staff. We are figuring things out. This is not necessarily fun, you know, in terms of the results uh-huh. we're getting. Uh-huh. But we know what's happening. We are following our progress and we are confident that we are growing and we are realistic about where we are. And that is as upset as they were after the Oil Rain game. And they definitely were upset after that, you know, to lose the trophy. I still have no doubt that they feel they're on the right direction. And that gives me more confidence than anything. So, yeah, did, did it sting? Did it absolutely suck? And, yeah, I do think it was up there and probably, like, top three most upsetting matches for them. Um, yeah, without a doubt but i do feel like they've done nothing but demonstrate their resiliency as a squad and and that gives me a lot of confidence for them i mean if you watch the games like the the proof is in the proof is in the play they're still competing hard nobody's dogging it everybody is still running hard everybody is still competing i mean i think that when a team checks out, there is no sport that it is more evident than soccer, yeah. especially if you're at the stadium, because you see how much everybody is running. And these players, they're all still running. Um, I mean, so the thing I, is, you could, you could see after they gave up the equalizer, their shoulders slumped. And then after they gave up the go-ahead goal, their shoulders definitely slumped even more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think that they're going to need to mature into a mentality where they still are like, well, we, we're going to effing win this. You yeah. know, like we are the team that can win. I don't think they're quite there yet. And, but they definitely did not give up. I mean, you watch some teams and not even necessarily in the NWSL, just in soccer in general, as you said, 
And, you know, once they go down, you can see the effort just like drops. Mm -hmm. Like the first, they're, they're just, we're practically giving up at this point. Mm -hmm. And we're hanging our heads and we're not putting effort in. You know, they were still making runs. They were still playing balls. They were still trying to figure out how to break OL Rain down to the very end. Do I think that they necessarily fully believed they could no I, I i don't i do think that they need to you know take that next step in their mentality to truly believe they can win but you know that's that's all part of growth and mm -hmm. and the fact that they still fought as hard and competed as hard as they did until the end despite being exhausted you know not getting subbed out you know I, i'm still proud of them and i hope they're able to look once, you know, the initial sting has worn off and be like, okay, you know, we, we played our best. We tried hard. And also, like, I think those two games, the AC Milan game and the OL Reign game were arguably Jay's two best games all season. I mean, especially against OL Reign, she was intercepting the ball. She was breaking up plays left and right. She was really smart about when she was making her tackles. I mean, that was just everything I wanted to see from Jalen Howell as a player. If you, if you watch her over the last month, she's getting it like it to the extent that there were matches early in the season where, you know, maybe she was overthinking things. Maybe she wasn't uh, recognizing things, you know, first time playing new opponents, maybe those item, those, those mental hurdles were causing her to be a step slow. And it's like, Oh, wow. You know, the things that she said earlier, you know, being a rookie in this league, man, she's getting over them. And mm -hmm. she is, she is realizing the potential that she has to boss an NWSL midfield. But past Jay, because there, there's something that I've been thinking about, an idea that I've been kicking around in my head, Becky, and I, I want to throw it off you because I've got this theory that over the season, especially over the last two or three months, you know, after she has settled into her midfield role, that Savannah DeMello, I've, I've got this, this, this is going to shock you. All right. So I want you to make sure you're sitting down. All right. You sitting can see down. It. I, I'm sitting, sitting down, settle down. No, I've got a nickname in my head. Uh -oh. It's not so much it's, a nickname. We, we have not done nicknames for a while. So I'm very intrigued. I know. 70 minute salve. I kind of see that during games where, you know, we haven't been blown out, you know, games are always close, but you know, the first half Sav always plays great. She always plays hard, but to push our PG 13 rating on this podcast, it seems like in the second half at about minute 70 Sav says effort. I am going to take over this game now and I am going to <laughs> will this team to victory. And that's when she starts making runs. She makes runs all games, but it's ones where I almost feel like her intensity picks it up in the last 20, 30 minutes of a game. And I pick 70 minute because I like alliteration, but there's some element of it where towards the end of the game, she gets more aggressive you know, the cliche, I'm going to take the game by the scruff of the neck. She does. And in that OL Reign game, we missed her at the end. I mean, you all, we, a player like Savdamello yeah. goes out, you're going to miss her uh, regardless. But that intensity, that midfield that says, no, I'm going forward. I'm going to make you 
play perfect. I'm going to get fouled. I'm going to win free kicks. And I'm going to put you under pressure with not just our team play, but my specific particular playing. I think we missed it. And I've been thinking about 70 minutes sap for about the last couple months, but not having her against OL Rain, that was what really kind of solidified it that I was going to uh, talk to you about it. Okay, so first, I thought you were going the opposite direction, and I was, I'm glad you told me to sit down, because I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I thought you were going to say that after 70 minutes, she loses her gas and starts no. disappearing, and I was going to be like, Tom, no. I need to question, like, every conversation <laughs> we've ever had, and, like, everything we've ever talked about, because, like, I was getting ready to, like, end this podcast and be like, we can't talk anymore, you know, I'm, this is oh, the wow. end of Butchertown Rundown, because that is blasphemy. <laughs> no, uh, the thing that I love about Sav is that she, I, like you said, pushing PG-13, she gets pissed. Yeah, she, she does. Like Jalen, I love her because she has like pissed energy from minute one. She's just oh, yeah. like yeah. the moment she steps on the pitch, she's like, all right, I'm ready to like break ankles and break heads. Where Savannah is like, I'm gonna be a little more crafty. I'm gonna like, you know, make dribbling runs and force people to foul me and you know, take advantage in like strategic ways. Not to say Jay isn't strategic, but like very stereotypically jay is a bruiser she's a tank and you know savannah is like a a, a rogue and like not to get like to dnd and like you know just craftier she's a craftier mm-hmm. player but once things stop going her way and once things stop going racing's way she just she gets angry she does. and i don't know i like joe can say that like she starts hulking out a little bit and some <laughs> of it is a little like not great like the main thing that sticks out in my head because i thought it was so funny even though it was like a disappointing game was during the the gotham game at in louisville and you know she makes that incredible run and cut to score and it's like okay we got it we got the equalizer and then you know we stupidly give up a goal based on mistakes and her face after that was just like these mother effers Mm -hmm. and she just like for no reason just like pushed down a player at like the start of i I think like the kickoff after that goal and got a yellow card that was completely unnecessary but she was angry yeah and she it, it put more energy into her and i i do think on the one hand like yeah you need to not just throw down players for the sake of throwing down players. Like, you know, you do need to use that energy a little more productively, but no, I mean, she and Jalen have brought such an energy to the team that we really, really, really needed. Like last mm-hmm. season, I felt like everybody, we had talented players, but they were all working individually. Like mm-hmm. McCaskill was working very individually to make runs and make plays and then Fox was also, you know, working very much kind of in her own bubble to make runs forward and then not finding people following her. Kaiser was doing the same thing. It, it was a very isolated team. That was our biggest problem where this team, I feel like even if we're not always connecting perfectly, like they, they live and die together. Like they get mm-hmm. really angry based on what happens and it, it drives them to another level. And I think that we're, much more of a cohesive team than we were. And a lot of that is 
thanks to our midfield because our midfield is the bridge yep. between the defense and the attackers and Jalen and Sev and now Wong and Chidiak in large part too have been absolutely transformation transformational. I agree. And what are you hoping to see? We're coming towards the end of the second half of this uh, two-part pod. What are you hoping to see outside of a win? Because that's the obvious answer. You and I both want to see a win against the Red Stars. Other than that, what are you hoping to see this Saturday night? So this is very, very specific, but like I absolutely lost it during the AC Milan game. Um, Ask anybody that was sitting around me because I thought this was such an important step. One thing that has absolutely killed me for racing these past two years is how bad we are at getting second balls. We are not collecting rebounds. We just kind of like hang back. There's, you know, if someone's making a run, there's very few people charging in the box. Like I I think of like against Gotham, they were able to, you know, clear balls that, you know, Aaron McLeod kind of fumbled because no one was making a run. They could have been easy goals, but no one was there. Think of, you know, Jess McDonald making that amazing run and then, missing and then going back to like play a second ball and Holloway was the only one running forward, you know, things, things like that have been very frustrating to me. And in AC Milan, you know, Wong scored that incredible goal from the top of the box because Jess sent it in the keeper knocked it away or a defender knocked it away. I can't remember. And it, it fell to Wong who was in perfect position at the top of the box. And she just slammed it down and chipped it over the keeper and I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that excellent veteran positioning that Wong and Nadia both have. I want to see them collecting second balls. I want to see racing, not just giving up and losing chances after the first shot. I want to see us at least trying to get that second and third shot in. So if we do that even a couple times in this next game against Chicago, I will feel like that is progress and success. I know that's really, really, really hyper-specific, but... That is incredibly specific, but also, it's true. I mean, how many many times have we given up the second goal? Exactly what I was going to say. And how many times have we had the shot go off? And the fact is, is that, you know, we fans can say, oh, Jess was one-on-one with the keeper, and and the keeper made the save. KD, Kirsten Davis, was one-on-one with the keeper. The keeper made the save. Guess what? This is the greatest league in the world. Like, all of the keepers are good. Like, there, <laughs> there is not an off night. Um, you, don't, you don't get a bad keeper one night. They're going to make saves. So we need to have players following up and anticipating that the keeper is going to make the save. Some, we need, you know, somebody with a Nadia mentality that when they see – Jess making that run, she's one-on-one, and that racing player says, the keeper's going to make the save. Yeah, I need to be there for the need to be there for the rebound. And no disrespect towards Jess or Kirsten or Nadia or anybody, but the fact is, is to have that mentality that says, I'm going to make this lung-busting run because there's the possibility that there's going to be an opportunity at the rebound. And I mean, watch, like you said, I mean, just look at the people and how they've scored against us. But I mean, watch 
every other team and so many of the most spectacular goals were on second balls like mm -hmm. oh i don't know maria sanchez put forth all the effort but then shea groom came in the last second and was there to collect the ball smartly because of the pressure that that team applied we have not yet figured out how to do that and if we can increasingly get better positioning make runs into the box i mean that's the next step we need to make to like really make sure score more goals honestly what Excellent. about you tom what what are what would be a success for you outside of a win on saturday here's the situation racing is on defense the red stars are moving the ball methodically upfield a racing defender makes a great play intercepts the ball and passes it to a midfielder at that point i want to see the ball continuing to move forward because when we're moving from defense to offense right after we win a ball we have proven to be very vulnerable to quick pressure yeah i, I mean other teams are seeing it on tape they're seeing it they see that if you lose the ball to racing get back on defense, put them under pressure quick, because we have a real tough time handling that. You know, a lot of times we kick it back to Katie to play out of the back, but we're not trying to play out of the back. It's the safety valve. Um, it's that we're having difficulty moving the ball forward. If we can break that initial pressure whenever we win the ball back, I think that is going to unlock a lot of weapons for us moving forward. I agree with that. Um, I definitely, I, I thought one of the more interesting comments from, from coach Kim, and I, I'm paraphrasing this, so I hope I don't get it wrong, but he basically said that racing needs to be better about understanding when the other team has momentum and taking control and, you know, letting the steam valve out and let you know racing take a little more control and control yeah. the tempo and i think that you know even though we're holding possession and doing all these lateral passes again it's almost like we're playing hot potato and just taking the safest pass instead of moving yeah. forward mm -hmm. we need to be you know on the one hand we do need to maintain possession and we don't need to rush forward and just give it up but we need to yeah, I mean, we just need to, I think, be more aware of, of what's happening around us. And, and that will come with more experience on the field yeah. with, with these teams. I mean, that's, that's just something that will come in, in time. The one last thing I want to mention is the thing that absolutely drives me insane with racing is we just cannot play long balls to save our life. Any long in the air passes just almost inevitably go haywire or force like a real duel and like aerial battle between our players in order to maintain possession you're watching like rain players pass to each other and it's like there's a magnet in the ball and you know yeah. a, a matching magnet in their boots like it'll come all the way across the field and just boop attach perfectly to their foot like a dream and we cannot do that i mean so many times and i mean i'm not calling them out because this happened with every player but like Malay or Gemma or, you know, Lester would try and send the ball forward and get it over the midfield and it would just go right to an opponent. You yeah. know, it seemed like who were they even targeting? And so I, I think that that's something we really need to practice and, and actually like 
position players. The other thing too is, you know, when when Katie is going to go do long distribution, everybody clumps together on one side of the field. Why doesn't one of our players run to the opposite <laughs> side of the field and get there to collect a ball from her away from the scrum of everybody else? I never <laughs> understand that, and yet we never do it. So, you know, these these little things that just kind of drive me insane that if we can see some progress in these areas, I will I'll be a happy camper. We'll be happy. Well, we did have a win against AC Milan. We did. And it was a fun one. It was a fun win. A win is a win is a win, which means we get to add to the statue. Becky, have you oh, given any do. thought? We get to add to the statue. Well, and, you... and I've got a thought. Okay. All right. I think that next to the statue, we need to put a sign and it needs to be a big sign, but it needs to be a sign in which we can write racing Louisville, run with us in the native language of whatever nationalities racing Louisville players are. So we have a Chinese player, we need to have a sign that says run with us in Chinese characters, uh, Danish for Nadia, Swedish for Freya. I know I'm forgetting some folks, but every nationality should be represented so that when those players, fans come from their native countries, they see in their language, run with us next to our stadium sign. I love that. I think that's absolutely perfect. I, I think that's absolutely what needs to be added to the statue. And the one thing that I would also just like to add really quickly is I believe it was the AC Milan game was Lauren Malay's 50th game across all competition. She's the first racing player to make it to 50 games. And it utterly cracked me up that in the announcement on social media, every player responded with like, oh, it's our little jockey's 50th ride in the saddle. <laughs> I mean, could that not be more perfect for... Uh, that that just of. shows that Shannon was right to suggest this statue because it is absolutely the best statue possible. Congratulations to Loma Lay for her 50 rides in the saddle with Racing Louisville. All right, Becky, we are in extra time now. So uh, it was fun doing this the last few weeks. Let's do it again. Three points, and I have three points. Um, the first comes from the women's club luncheon that we went to. And uh, we saw the teams from Tottenham and AC Milan. And I will tell you, if you want to have a stereotype of people from England as being super well-dressed, squared away, incredibly polite, and uh, looking awesome, the Tottenham Club will not dissuade you from that stereotype because they all looked awesome, uh, sharp in their suits. Uh, AC Milan uh, were looking fantastic in their track suits and super fancy shoes. Um, it was a really cool event, so it was awesome to see them and uh, those teams were really cool to see in person. Uh, my second point is this, that I watched a lot of the women's club on CBS. Full disclosure, I love CBS. I think 60 Minutes is an American institution, and I'm a super big Star Trek fan. And CBS uh, coverage of NWSL is a train wreck. It make The camera angles are horrible. The equipment is subpar. The announcers uh, don't know what they're talking about half the time. And it is very frustrating. I do not think that the NW, I do not think CBS is a good faith partner for the NWSL. And if and when um, 
you know, if the, either CBS had just gave something like a, a trillion dollars to get the Champions League, good on them. If they want to make a good investment into the NWSL, good. And if they don't, I hope the NWSL finds another broadcast partner because I'm tired of not being able to read the players' names on the back of their jerseys because the camera work is so bad. And lastly, um, uh, big point to you, Becky, because during this podcast, uh, my dog Oliver went uh, bat, uh, bat stuff crazy behind us. And he was wild. Uh, you saw him on camera. He was freaking out. He's a big uh, hundred pound. Um, you know, my wife loves pandas. Um, he kind of looks like a panda. So we call him a panda from Marshalls because he's kind of like an off-brand panda. He was a complete train wreck, but you handled uh, my feed with complete professionalism. So thanks, Becky. Uh, those are my three points. Well, thank you for that shout out, Tom. I guess I will make one of my points. The fact that you tolerate hearing Suki, my cat, wander around at <laughs> my feet, screaming at the top of her lungs for much of our preparation before every podcast. She has to get that out of her system. She has to walk around and scream because I'm talking. She gets it out and then she passes out next to me on the couch. So <laughs> thank you for, for dealing with hearing a little cat, like, yowling her butt <laughs> off for about 10 minutes. But the points that I want to make is, one... If you attended the Muhammad Ali Center Gala for all the teams, I think it could only reinforce just what a friendly, wonderful team we have. All the players attended, all of them chatted with everybody, made jokes with the all the fans, were just completely open books, just so happy that we were there, we were so happy they were there. You know, when the Women's Cup comes around next year and you see events like this being advertised, definitely take advantage because they are just so much fun. And, you know, congratulations to the Sports Impact Group who put the event together and also helped make the Women's Cup the first uh, carbon neutral sporting event in history, or at least soccer tournament in history. That's a huge accomplishment. So that's really cool. And then my last point will be just shout out to all the fans of the international teams that came. The Club America fans were a delight. You know, the, the Milan fans were a delight. I didn't interact with as many Spurs fans, but I know that they were there. And you know what? We had a bunch of old OL Reign fans there for the final. They were also a joy. And then Tokyo Verdi Beleza was the nicest club. So many people just went up and were like, oh, hey, it was really fun seeing you. And they gave him a they gave him a kit, they gave him a jersey, or they would stop and take pictures. They were just a delightful team. All the teams were delightful. It's just so fun to see these teams in the context of a friendly tournament where they can really relax and just kick back and enjoy experiencing something new. So if you did not attend the Women's Cup, if if you were like, oh, you know, it's just friendlies, is it really that important? Yes, it is. It's important to community building. It's important to networking and relationship building across different leagues, across different teams. And it's just a whole lot of fun. So those are my three points. Excellent three points. Becky, we, uh, we burned the midnight oil with this one and we had a lot of fun. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not bought your tickets to fill the fam buy your tickets to fill the fam if you have already bought your tickets tell your buddies to buy some tickets to fill the fam and we will talk about that game during the next butchertown rundown episode becky this was fun let's do it again let's do it <laughs>